opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's a hard left wing position. Hard left, left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 hard Possibly part of another edition. We don't know how we're going to edit this kind of stuff of the real. It's going to end up in there somehow. Podcast. So basically, Yair couldn't make our earlier recording session with our friend at Pete underscore begins because he he went for a swim. So um, yeah, vital stuff. For yeah, the good so of the people. He had to have his swim. So we thought we'd arrange a little catch up session for later on where we can we can talk about things. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Pardon me. Just just eating a load of ice cream. <laughs> very very burpy. So um why don't you go into a bit more depth on that book that you said you were reading at the moment? Well, I'm not sure how much more depth I could go into. Oh, really? Sadly. I thought it was yeah, time only... constraints that meant you, you sort of didn't... I no, guess you no, did talk it's... quite a bit. I'm only a few chapters in. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm so far up to the Reformation, and there's a lovely picture of Martin Luther bashing in the Pope's face, yeah. which, you know, that's that's a bit of fun. Sound pretty good. That does sound excellent. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, film-wise, we should probably talk about some films. Well, yeah, I let's should. talk about. Some I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some films because this is the real politic podcast, and a lot of the time we're just kind of, just kind of shooting shit about the politics and so on. Missing the real part. Missing yeah. the real part. Yeah, it's literally just politic. <laughs> Uh, while I was on the plane over here, actually, I caught a film called Anthropod. Really? What, what's With, Anthropod about? So, uh, well, it's got Cillian Murphy. Um, oh, and, right, uh, yeah. It's set in Czechoslovakia during the Second World War, and I'll need to quickly look it up on Wikipedia. Does just everyone to... do, like, questionable accents in it? Um, I, I don't. Really, because uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think they just kind of speak English, just yeah, because you know it goes one of two ways when it's an English language film set in another country. Either the actors all just do really broad accents that are just not really particularly yeah. natural to them at all, or they just talk in their normal voices and it's a bit less weird. Well, Wikipedia does not seem to have the film listed, uh, so uh, I <laughs> I'm, try, I'm just trying to find film? out. But I made it all up. Did this uh, I, I drank too much on the flight and hallucinated. <laughs> what um, were you drinking? 
Third. Just liquid acid, just pouring <laughs> yeah. it down your throat. <laughs> I hate flying, man. I had to make it somehow. The whole film is about the assassination of the third leading Nazi. Oh, nice. Uh, I cannot remember what his name was. Uh, Got at to all. love when Nazis get killed. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I can't find the name. Yeah, but apparently, yeah. After Hitler, and I think it was was it Himmler or Goring? I forget who was second in command. Um, yeah, there was this guy, and he did. He got gunned down in the streets. It was a beautiful moment. I mean, they didn't immediately get him. He got sent to the hospital, and he died there. So, all in all, a success eventually. Nice. Um, but then, what happens is, of course, you know, uh, one of one of their group uh, is a cop. Well, not literally. He's a, he's just a rat. Scumbag. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean, well, to be fair, he he, he was kind of tortured a lot, but you know, still, uh, <laughs> what a fucking yeah, win. <laughs> and so the Nazis come and start rounding them all up. Uh, everyone who was involved with this, everyone who even knew about it. But luckily, most of them manage to take their cyanide pills before they get hold of them. And uh, it's, be- Top, it's beautiful watching how frustrated the Nazis get. It's like, oh, we missed them. God damn it. They oh, killed God themselves. To insurgents. Then even better, though, Cillian Murphy and a few of the other main characters, they're hiding out in a church by the end of the film. They're just trying to wait for everything to blow over. Yeah. And... The, the Nazis find them thanks to the torture and all that. Uh, and they, uh, so they, they have a nice little shootout and it's, it's a fantastic like half hour of the film where they're just shooting and murdering loads of Nazis. Like they take nice. so many of those bastards down with them. And then ultimately they all blow their brains out before they get uh, the chance to be captured. So sad, uh, but you know. Fucking heroic. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Putting their lives on the line. What time is it? Cinematically, I don't know how fascinating it was, but it was definitely worth a watch. And what time is it? It's uh, 9 o'clock here. Oh, it's so 9 o'clock. The, like, so, so for yeah. me, it's it's 2 a.m. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, might have slightly more life in him than me. But on the other <laughs> hand, I haven't been swimming today, so I might have, you know, I might be a bit less physically tired. We'll be competing. <laughs> what other, yeah. What other movies you seen anything watch? lately? God, you, you know, I'm not sure I have watched too much stuff. I, I watched um, that film Carol with my friend Viv, but while we were watching it, like some, I think like Clive Lewis had just resigned or something, so uh, I, I was <laughs> like on my phone a lot like, on Twitter. <laughs> News, news, news. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, I think it was uh, like there's some story that had come out that Clive Lewis denied that he was going to challenge Corbyn for the leadership, but Owen Jones was calling around to MPs. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, that distracted me a bit. So I watched Carol, but I didn't fully take it in. I mean, I thought the performances were very good. I thought it was kind of beautiful and Beautifully put together, kind of stately, perfect period detail, classic Todd Haynes. And it, well, it, it's certainly like a really, I guess, you see how messed up shit was for women who were attracted to other women back in those days. Like Kate Blanchett's character, who is married to a man in the film, uh, who uh, is sort of estranged from him. Yeah, I mean, they want her to completely, like, 
suppress this fate treater as a deviant. And it is very sad. Alright. But in terms of uh, sort of like hard-hittingness, this might have been because I actually concentrated on this film, but I much preferred Far From Heaven. Todd Haynes' film from 2002 starring Julianne Moore as a woman who becomes quite close, a married woman who becomes quite close to a black man in 1950s suburban America while her husband is quite distant which turns out to be because he is gay. Yeah, so you've got... Sounds interesting. Yeah, so I've, I've not seen it though. It's it's uh, it's a brilliant film. You've Whereas, um, I mean there's the gender dynamics as well in Carol, it's a very white film. That is mm. kind of its slightly, I guess, middle class milieu. For that time, I mean. That essentially deals with kind of gender imbalances of that same time in American history and also with the homophobia of that time in American yeah. history. Whereas Far From Heaven encompasses gender, sexuality, class, and race. So it's a bit more of a kind of full picture. Which, right. Um, right. Yeah, it's a, I guess it's a more kind of intersectional film, you could say. Hmm. Todd Haynes is a great director, I think. His Bob Dylan film, I'm Not There. His film inspired by David Bowie, Velvet Goldmine. Very good films. Cool. Sounds good, man. When did you see that? Uh, God, like maybe uh, last week or a week before. Quite, quite recently. Oh, so fairly recent, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I don't know, there's not really been much else that I've seen lately. I think I was talking to you earlier about that documentary, The Fear of 13. Yeah, so see, I when you mentioned this to me, I thought it was going to be about people who were scared of the number 13. <laughs> like, you know, that, Which... that Jim Carrey film, The Number 23 or whatever, that fucking Joel, oh, yeah. Joel yeah. Schumacher, yeah. like... I was trying to incorporate the word hack into Joel Schumacher's name there. But <laughs> that, I haven't seen that. It sounded bad. It sounded like the kind of film Nicolas Cage would turn down. I've seen that years ago, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, it was, it was everybody's just, oh, just just mediocre, you know, not even awful, but just uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing worth talking about so i'm going to move on yeah. and bring this back to yeah the fear of 13 which uh, i felt like it was trying at times a little bit too hard to be very deep but yeah. it, overall it was interesting basically it's about this guy by the name of nick yaris who spent 21 years on death row in pennsylvania at which point he was released when dna evidence showed that he was completely innocent of the crime and uh, what it was is uh yeah a a young woman i believe was uh, raped and murdered and he happened to be in the area i believe if I'm remembering correctly, he was uh, involved in like drug use and uh, stuff like that. He, he was okay. really high on meth and he got pulled Top over lad. by a cop. Oh, <laughs> oh I hate when that uh, happens. Yeah, don't you? Don't when you, you messed up and, uh, and the cops are just like, pull over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, he got told to get out of the car and he was under arrest and stuff and he tried to resist and just get away. But in the act of resisting, he kind of like hit the cop 
slightly and then the cop just like fucked him up and put him in handcuffs and drove him to the station and so they they tried to get him for attempted murder of a cop just because he was trying to escape that's like Uh, in um (laughs) half-baked where the guy feeds the police horse all his munchies that he's gone out (laughs) to get the stoner gang and then and and then the cops like arrest him for murdering a cop because the horse eats the stuff and dies because it's a diabetic horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah sounds... it's, it's exactly like that. I <laughs> like <laughs> um, going into this whole thing, he was very sure that he was going to get into a lot of trouble because, of course, the cops kept telling him, you know, we got a solid case here. You better plead. You better plead because we're going to get you for attempted murder on this cop and you are going to be in jail for the rest of your life. And so what he did, he'd heard about this murder, that this rape and murder of this woman, completely unconnected, that happened. And he said, you know what? There's this asshole I know. He was involved, completely making it up. This guy had apparently like stolen drugs off him in the past and stuff like that. And and so he was like, yeah, okay. But unfortunately for him, it turned out that the guy he said did this crime had totally cleaned up his act in the last few years and was living somewhere else, had a perfect alibi. And so now the cops knew that he knew something about the murder and yeah, they, it, it, even more ironically, he completely got off uh, on the charges involving the cop because uh, the jury just wasn't having any of it. The cop tried to really oversell it. They said that he bashed him in the face a lot of times, but he didn't have any photos of his face after the incident, only photos of his hands. Man, so they're the sneaky, aren't like, they? Why? You can't yeah. trust no police. You can't. So yeah, he got off on the cop charges, but then, yep, he got done for this murder all because he was trying to be clever and get out of anyway i'm just going on and on and you should watch you should watch a film if you're really that interested it's what i I'm found, found quite not. fascinating was uh for the first half hour or so they don't even talk about the crime yeah whether he did it whether he didn't do it what the crime involved they just here's a guy on death row the problem and is he's talking bro, about that feeling bro, the of crime is isolation tight. like I'm still fucking with crime because crime pays. <laughs> crime always pays, man. Uh, just, just shout it, to Jay Z. It sounded awful the place he was at in Pennsylvania. Well, it's Apparently, in fucking Pennsylvania. The, I just say this for most U.S. states, to be honest. Like, I don't even know what makes them bad apart from Florida, which is everything. Well, it is where Always Sunny in Philadelphia is set. So. Ah. Must be an awful place. <laughs> very bleak, very full of horrible people. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Pennsylvania. Shout y'all. out to Pennsylvania. Um... <laughs> bleak, full of horrible people. And Yair will be uh, shortly, <laughs> shortly moving into your directory of tourism. <laughs> For the record, I don't think I've been there since I was like maybe eight. <laughs> but he so has been know. there, so it's an informed point of view. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I know is. all about it. I'm an expert. I'm a tour guide, practically. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the prisoners weren't allowed to talk to each other at all. They were long periods of isolation, solitary, and, you know, people just spending the rest of their lives like that. Awful, awful stuff. So I'd say there's more important viewing on the American prison system, like yeah. the confusingly similarly titled 
the 13th. Yeah, I, I uh, was about just the 13th about to say. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also available Brilliant on Netflix. Film. Both of these films, if you have Netflix, you can watch them. Not really shielding it for Netflix or anything. Definitely not. I, I would, if you've got access to Pirate Bay, I would recommend <laughs> that. But, you know, uh, <laughs> if you're like me and you happen to be in a place where they like to send cease and desist letters for anything and everything, then Netflix is a decent option, I guess, or mm. whatever. <laughs> but, oh, really? Are there, are there, um, are there movie cops in, in Montana? Oh, there's loads of movie cops where I am. Uh, <laughs> Did I tell you I, I got banned from uh, the uni internet on this computer for downloading <laughs> the Nice Guys off of Pirate Bay? <laughs> Was it worth it? I mean, I quite like the film, so I, I guess so. I, I, I just went along to the library and they sorted it out, so... <laughs> <laughs> what did you say oh i didn't do anything what do you know? no i was just like i was just straight up like yeah i downloaded the film like <laughs> I, 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 I done wrong like i won't do it again i, I said won't do it again. i haven't done it since well i mean i no i haven't actually yeah <laughs> i haven't been no no i did go home for a bit and i did it there but i haven't on uni premises so yeah, yeah i'm way behind on my film viewing thank you youtube for having loads of like old 1970s british tv stuff that's always good isn't it yeah and there's plenty of documentaries on youtube yeah exactly oh speaking of documentaries i watched one from last year called wiener i don't know if you're familiar with this uh no no about anthony wiener it or... is yeah yeah you know okay. anthony wiener yeah i, I know I, I know him in the context of the scandal that helped bring down hillary's campaign according... yeah that's what yeah. it's about cool yeah basically it's <laughs> just about anthony wiener and just like uh... he was sexting girls wasn't he yeah yeah like yeah that. he just yeah. loved sexting and you, you know like even after he got exposed like a bunch of times he just kept on sexting and just like there kept being more scandals and he's just like i mean i don't really give a shit but it's just like his wife uh huma Abedin, she's like one of hillary clinton's closest advisors basically she's seen as being like at the heart of a clinton thing and like yeah she's just she's i mean she's in the movie a lot but she, I mean, doesn't talk, like, directly to the camera much, and she just seems, like, mm. just so, like, fucking disappointed, just, like, he's fucking everything up. <laughs> and just, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit this out, but I'm just, like, putting this out there. She is, like, fucking hot. Like, god damn it. <laughs> just, like, what the fuck yeah. is Anthony Weiner even thinking? He's such a dickhead. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if she's, like... An advisor to Hillary Clinton, like she can't be all good, but <laughs> like literally, like the first scene is just like the director getting proper like pervy at her feet, pretty much. She's just like there sitting on the floor, and he just zooms in. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Tarantino film. <laughs> oh, this is some Lost great laddish, laddish banter. Anyway, <laughs> this is a tough choice in editing. So yeah, I watched We Football. Know. Football, oh, birds, free oh, marine, loads of ladies, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in Wiener, you just get to see like Anthony Wiener just fuck up his life and destroy his political career and get like Liz Kendall percent in the mayoral contest. <laughs> that yeah. sounds pretty satisfying, to be fair. I mean, yeah, he he seems like a bit. I was just um. 
I was looking into like what Wiener's all about as well, and I, it's fucking crazy that it's called Wiener, but like... <laughs> it's so immature, but I just can't stop chuckling every yeah, time it's I hear fucking it. fucking hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> Especially the fact that he had like dick-related scandals as well that just could not be... Yeah. Just like the one guy in politics who cannot afford to have a sex scandal. <laughs> he lived up to his name, all right. <laughs> So in August 2016, which is, I think, three years after the scandal... Mm. No, sorry, the scandal was 2011. Five years later, Huma Abedin announced that she was leaving him because (laughs) sexting. (laughs) So so five years later. Oh, his mentor was Chuck Schumer, so that already implies sluggishness. (laughs) He... He apparently, yet he created the Bipartisan Congressional Middle Class Caucus, which, I mean, having a Bipartisan Caucus, on when Americans talk about middle class politics, you know, they're generally mm. talking about kind of more egalitarian reforms that will help what we'd think of as the working class as well. But, I mean, the fact that Democrats will even entertain the idea of working with Republicans on policies to help the so-called middle class <laughs> heavily yeah. suggests to me that the bourgeoisie should be completely obliterated. <laughs> I'm sorry, that oh. was a long-winded point that basically, like, <laughs> was just an advocate, <laughs> you know, ended in just advocating class genocide. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you won't get disagreement from me. <laughs> no, bipartisan politics in this country is just fucked up. And it's this weird, like, sort of belief that any time a Democrat's in office, they got to work with the opposition. Like, Obama had to constantly try and work with the Republicans. But when a Republican's in power, no, you must bow. He is our president. He is your president. You must bow before Zog or whatever, you know. It was total opposition to Obama from a Republican party on everything. And he was not exactly a socialist, was he? Yeah, they they wouldn't give him anything. Yeah, on the plus side, I mean, uh, Trump can't expect anything from a Democrat. I mean, he can because they're going to fucking cave in like like five (laughs) seconds. But I mean, he doesn't deserve any kind of loyalty from them because of the way that the previous Republican caucuses, I think it's the phrase in the Senate and in Congress, they did not give Obama like five minutes (laughs) of breathing space. Did you hear about the other day at that press conference that Trump gave? A black reporter asked, so are you going to involve the CBC in your discussions about what to do with inner cities and yada yada? And he's like, he just gives like a blank look, the, the CBC. <laughs> like, what? And she says, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus. And he's just, oh, yeah, the Congressional Black Caucus. Are they friends of yours? Can you set that up? Will you set up a meeting with them? And she says, I mean, I am friends with some of them, but I'm a a reporter there in Congress. And he's like, yeah, you set it up. You set up a meeting. I want you to set up a meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus. He just had no idea. He'd never heard of it. (laughs) Fucking hell. Yeah, he, I mean, he is just, he's got his talents, I guess, you know, but he is just. Convincing people that he's talented seems to be his main talent. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, I mean, Ben Carson, for example, got his talents, brain surgery, for example. (laughs) But he's thick as fucking. Everybody gets one. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I've got to interrupt before this conversation. 
Foundation for some breaking news, which is that Milo Yiannopoulos is a nonce. Milo has <laughs> said that he is advocating for legal sex between 13-year-olds and older men. <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly play this it's minute. He's a literal nonce, okay. So can you hear that at all uh, coming off my computer? Nope. Okay. Right, I'm just gonna watch this one sec. Hang on, I'll start from the top and gradually pause it and tell you what's happening in the video. He's going on about the quote-unquote arbitrary and oppressive idea of consent. So, <laughs> right from the first six seconds, we're already in some pretty questionable territory. I, I know that he has made arguments <laughs> about how wonderful gay people were in the past because they had to stay in the closet and marry women, and so therefore they propagated their amazing gay genes. And, and I mean, you see, he goes on Bill Maher and just lets Bill Maher and his guests call him a fag. Like, it's a really yeah. kind of really like um, masochistic kind of stuff. I guess. Well, I mean, he names his tour that as well, but uh, yeah. he, he effectively, he's like, oh, you know, I'm the gay guy who doesn't mind. He goes to college campuses and outs trans people and reports immigrants to ICE. Yeah, I thought you were going to say he reports immigrants to ISIS for a second. It's <laughs> like, damn, the guy's in league with ISIS. He really is a rotten piece of work. Uh, no, 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 no. It's the Russians. It's all the Russians. <laughs> what, what, oh, fucking hell. We haven't got the same paymasters as him, have we? <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, right. I'll just listen to a little bit more of this uh, Milo yeah. nonce thing, and I shall resume in a second. He's talking about older men helping younger boys to discover who they are currently. So <laughs> I'll get back get back to you with more exciting updates in a second. Providing security with love and, and safety and, uh, um, and, uh, love. and a reliable uh, some of and those a rock where they can rely on where they can't their parents. Are some like of the most station to me. <laughs> and the guys just like sounds like priest molestation to me. Yeah, it kind of does. It, it sounds yeah, well, like you know what? It you sounds what? like I'm Catholic afraid. priest molestation. Like sorry, but Milo is just on here like there's very people like at their computers speaking on this thing and they just mm. are like the most like hideous fucking nerds like just wearing like <laughs> wearing fucking like one looks like a power rangers mask or some shit the, <laughs> the others just like got this awful like headband on of like horrible long greasy looking hair anyway <laughs> to me nice. you know what? these are probably the good guys as well who i'm just like <laughs> grateful for father michael i wouldn't give nearly next to me though i think most him. people are the good guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's still yet to get on to uh, he's yeah he's understanding what pedophilia means he just said. Years old, he's be... talking about people who are 13 and are quote unquote sexually mature to children right to children even though some people abuse. don't stop pedophilia physically maturing until 19 or 20 you are you are <laughs> advocating for cross generational relationships here can we can we be honest about that yeah i don't mind saying i don't mind admitting that Actual straight-up paedophilia apologetics, that's... <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, it's... God, I didn't, um... God, that was, like, that was just fucking bad, man. <laughs> it was just, like, some wrong... So is his whole argument that it gives children some kind of mentor? <laughs> yeah, it sounded like it was some, like, sort of, like, surrogate father kind of shit. Like, it was, um... Yeah, yeah it was, it was... 
It was weird, man. It was weird. That is literally the ancient Greek argument. It really (laughs) sounded like that. Socrates, he's my boy. Like, that's all I care about. As as great as some of the thoughts they had were, a lot of them were very, very, you know, upper middle class at the very least. And, (laughs) you know, they they defended nobility and ideas of aristocracy. So, of course, the right wing loves them. They love them to bits. Yeah. Oh, and in other news, Eric Garland has done a massive multi-tweet thread about what he thinks is going to happen when Trump becomes president. Um, Not entirely sure how many tweets there are. What do you mean? Because Trump is president. What what do you mean? Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. I was trying to see how many tweets there were at the same time as talking. It's hard, man. It's fucking hard. You haven't been... You weren't there. You weren't there, man. Also, I've just noticed that the first tweet in this Eric Garland thread has 999 likes. Cop! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking cop. I am so screenshotting that to post on Twitter. Sure. (laughs) I am, hang on, just going to move this out of the way to screenshot once more, and we're good, we are fucked, okay, okay. So he says, starting at February 17th, Mark Sanford of South Carolina goes full anti-Trump. Trump preferred a, I guess these are his predictions, Trump preferred a fox pundit to a Navy SEAL for NSA. Oh, right, okay, no, sorry, this is stuff that's happened in the last 48 hours, I didn't read it properly, so this is what's what's happened lately. That's what editing is for. (laughs) It was revealed that a Venezuelan narco-trafficker who had his assets frozen by Treasury was a member of Trump's golf club. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think intelligence service guys like Eric Garland can fucking talk about narco-trafficking <laughs> around Central America. Yeah. <laughs> like, how was or, it that Escobar was able to operate for so long again? <laughs> the slug Escobar. Oh yeah, Eric Garland plays bass. Of course he plays bass. Oh, there's one, one of these tweets has 420 likes as well. Just going to screenshot that to tweet as well, of course. <laughs> 420. Four, well, exactly. <laughs> My man! What does that mean? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Four, 420. Well, it's a, it's a thing that the... That the, that the, the number after 419. Yeah, exactly. It's like the number 23, but with a 4 and a, and a 0 instead of a 3. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Here, here's a particularly bad tweet that's just shown up on my timeline. Even Karl Marx knew that communism was never going to actually work, and he fucking invented the ideology. No, 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 he he was absolutely certain that it was a natural part of historical progression. Um, But still, you know, he just wrote massive treatises on the subject because he thought, "Ah, fuck it, why not? You know, (laughs) I saw someone else. ah." I I saw someone tweeting. He wrote the entirety of Capital with his fingers (laughs) crossed behind his back. (laughs) But I love the way that liberals they kind of write this stuff with just absolute dead certainty. Like, just, you idiots, none of you obviously know anything about Marx, you know, but I guess (laughs) they've only ever, like, spoken to people who just kind of received wisdom is communism, like, it was never going to actually work, everyone knows that. I I love that there was no evidence given there, just, yeah, he knew. 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just God. Even Marx knew, and and then they they add in the F word for for emphasis. You guys are really being stupid. Like he fucking invented the ideology. Like you guys, you don't even fucking know that Marx didn't even <laughs> believe the shit he wrote. That he was just fucking with you. That he was the Simon Hedges <laughs> of his day. <laughs> this just in: Karl Marx invented trolling. <laughs> Karl Marx was just a fucking irony bro, but for the right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a documentary I can recommend actually, presented and written by Stuart Hall, the great British cultural theoretician, which it's called The Spectre of Marxism. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to check that out. Yeah, did I mention this on a previous edition of the show actually? I don't know if it was on an edition of the show or if you just mentioned it in conversation, but I've got a note of it and it will have come from you. (laughs) Yeah, I would really recommend The Spectre of Marxism. It's an analysis of Marx's ideology, of, of Marx himself and the circumstances in his life that informed his worldview. Does it include the quote where he says that he doesn't believe that communism can ever work? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is where that person got it. Marx was dead certain. He was like, even I fucking know that. Like, yeah, that was Marx to a T. Marx was actually a, a, a Pepe libertarian. Because <laughs> like, that, that's what I've noticed, the kind of... The libertarians uh, have kind of just blurred into the fash now. People who a couple <laughs> of years ago were libertarian, around a, cer- a certain point in the last couple of years, the discourse on the right just kind of took a little tilt in a just overtly fascist direction. Guys yeah. like Milo and that showed up. Um, Have you heard of a guy called Ben Garrison? I haven't, no. He's a political cartoonist over here. He's one of those people, he's said for years, I'm a libertarian, I'm not a Republican, I hate both parties equally, I'm a libertarian. But he's such a fucking Nazi, and he worships the ground that Trump walks on. Really? Honestly, if you want to laugh, go and look at some of his cartoons. They are just Ben Garrison. Like a South Park character. Is he? I, I don't, I don't. Mr. Garrison. Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, famous cartoonist and race war advocate Ben Garrison. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, and there's a picture of him on the Daily Stormer website with yep. a swastika on his arm. So when you said this guy's a massive Nazi, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fair, it's weird how it started. He started off as, like, kind of like an actual libertarian, at least by the American definition of a pot-smoking Republican. But then, like, 4chan, I believe it was, edited some of his comics into overtly Nazi kind of things. Yeah. And he got pissed off. But then some point since Trump started running for president a couple of years ago, he actually just shifted further and further to the extreme right end of the spectrum and became a full-on fash. So that his recent comics are just completely anti-democratic, completely anti-anything on the left. <laughs> and they, they are nuts. I was very surprised um, to, to find out that Frank Miller doesn't support Trump, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that news to me. Yeah, uh, I, I love that when these odious right-wing fucks, like, take a stand. <laughs> like, all these never-Trump people, it's, I feel kind of like, 
fuck you to support Trump. Like, you are no better than him. <laughs> like, Trump just doesn't... He says what you're thinking. Yeah, he doesn't disguise his his hideousness. That's why all these British conservatives and these kind of American liberals who, you know, will tolerate all kinds of the most appalling state violence, be it military or economic, mm. when it comes to border policy, all kinds of state violence. But when a guy just, like, kind of openly comes out and says that, yeah, you know, America kills a lot of people as well. Like, they all just, like, just no. ape shit. Keith Olbermann is like, You have besmirched the good name of our <laughs> proud nation, Russia! One <laughs> last interesting tidbit about Ben Garrison is that he lives in Montana, so oh. I'm going to be living near him soon. You should totally hook up with this guy. Yeah, he sounds like a bro. Yeah, the Daily Stormer is calling him a, a uh, skinhead militia leader and prominent anti-Semitic cartoonist. Um, <laughs> so Saying, yeah, uh, he, he recently made an open call for race war in America, um, <laughs> appearing in a video on YouTube, which has since been removed. A shirtless and heavily tattooed garrison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what have you done? You and your YouTube <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, that was all me. So. <laughs> oh, God. You know, in one of these, um, one of these podcasts, we should uh, fucking do a little reading of the global Jewish conspiracy sketch. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Should we do it in this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, I think if any of our listeners have stuck around this long... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some jokes in these that are just bait because we wrote them a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember, remember the schizophrenic sketch? <laughs> yeah all the cockney film producers like just some random shit oh here we go the characters are called nigel and donald uh, we'll segue we'll segue uh from our, i guess our discussion of ben garrison into this exciting comedy sketch that yair and i wrote in the summer of 2015 i believe yeah. just as the whole corbyn thing was taking off because there's uh, references in it, I think, to a couple of the kind of bullshit attack lines that people started throwing at him around yeah. that time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's inspired by uh, a few friends of ours at uni who were just very into their conspiracy theories. <laughs> like, they made, they made me watch uh, the first Zeitgeist and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to do it to prove I had an open mind. So this is a sketch. Okay, so, interior, kitchen. Two friends are talking over a cup of tea. Oh man, you know, I've been watching some of these conspiracy documentaries recently. They really make you think. Oh yeah? Like like what? Like, I watched Zeitgeist and Loose Change and some other ones on YouTube. Made me think they did. Yeah, got that. What exactly did they make you think about? Well, you know, it doesn't add up, does it? Have you seen all the evidence? Of what? 9-11! Did you know that jet fuel can't burn at a temperature hot enough to melt steel? Well, it obviously fucking did, didn't it? During pretty much the best demonstration of that scenario imaginable. And since when were you such an authority on structural engineering? Look, I'm just saying, it all points to a conspiracy. When you look at Bush's interest in the Middle East, the test flights that happened to coincide with the attack, the fact all the Jews got the day off... Whoa, 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 hang on. What was that last bit? The... 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 Jews all got the day off? Did you know I'm Jewish? 
I, 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 I didn't mean, I just read the Jews all got the day off. Well, all right, that is true, but it has nothing to do with any 9-11 conspiracy. So it, it was... Well, duh, the global Jewish conspiracy. W- wait, so... Yeah, yeah, the global Jewish conspiracy is a real thing. You Goyum always act so surprised. Look. He pulls out his membership card. Donald Goldstein, Global Jewish Conspiracy. (laughs) It's like being in a political party, but you actually have a say and can influence things. So you mean the Global Jewish Conspiracy knew all about 9-11? No, 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 no. We just had a bar mitzvah that day. Levi Goldstein's boy. So hang on. Who exactly is in the Global Jewish Conspiracy? Ah, well, anyone who's anyone, really. Obviously, everyone who works in the entertainment industry, all the bankers in the world, global capitalism, global communism, heavy emphasis on global fascism. What about Obama? Oh, we got him with a cigar cutter in his inauguration while Bruce Springsteen was playing. Now, Springsteen, there's another one. Springsteen? Um, Donald Trump? Oh, big Jew. So what other kind of world leaders are you affiliated to? The king of Saudi Arabia is, well, not just a member, but a a great personal friend. (laughs) The leaders of Hamas and Hezbollah, Jeremy (laughs) Corbyn. We used to fuck with Netanyahu, but we had to let him go. He's he's a loose cannon. He is probably... Ooh, uh, an unfortunate choice of phrasing, actually. What about... Her Majesty the Queen of England. We like the royals, British or Saudi Arabian. There are whole organizations that are affiliated with us. The Crips are in the global Jewish conspiracy. The Bloods are more sort of Amish. So, (laughs) what, you're telling me... NASA. That's one of our best moves. You know the NSA? We're spying on them from space, bitch! (laughs) What you're telling me is that... All this time, there has been a vast global network of international Jewry, a sinister cabal using untold wealth and influence to spread the Zionist agenda. Yeah, of course there is. Uh, Have you not read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? I thought that was just anti-Semitic propaganda. What, like zeitgeist? (laughs) Wrong again. Henry Ford? Big Jew. And the conspiracy has untold wealth and influence oh untold all right we're like the freemasons but with actual power but why why do you do it well throughout time the jews have always been known for their fantastic sense of humor from the ancient hebraic scrolls of yore to as i specified earlier the entire media and entertainment industry But all this while, we have been working on something that will eclipse even our most dazzling comic achievements. Something that goes further than Seinfeld, further than Curb Your Enthusiasm, further even than the audience-testing avant-garde anti-comedy of David Goldstein, or as he's known to the public, Mel Gibson. (laughs) For eons, we have been using our, as we've established, untold wealth and influence (laughs) to change the course of history in ways that aid the ultimate project of the global Jewish conspiracy generating comedy from moments of minor irritation and social awkwardness (laughs) we have always been there in the shadows waiting for our moment to strike are you familiar with Ford's theatre where on April 15th 1865 Abraham Lincoln was shot no you didn't did you yes 
We placed a banana skin on stage, causing one of the <laughs> actors to slip and fall over. It was hilarious! <laughs> For some reason, not many people noticed, but... Uh, are you familiar with the Dallas Book Depository, outside of which, on November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy was shot? Are you saying you... Yes! We got Aaron Goldstein to moon him from the grassy knoll while Adam Goldstein drew a dick on the back of one of the guards' big, baldy heads. <laughs> Again, our plans were thwarted by circumstance, but trust me, it was funny as fuck. In the end, though... Oswald got what was coming to him. Wait, so Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald on the Order of the Jews? Oh, no, no, no. But we, we got Nathan Goldstein to piss in his soup in jail. So, with your untold... Yes, yes, untold wealth and influence, go on. Do you know who actually did 9-11? Fucking Al-Qaeda, dumbass, obviously, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That that is gold, man. That is gold. If I <laughs> God, the next one we wrote was like that punked on death row sketch. Yeah, so like, oh, you'll let go. Uh, nah, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think. Yeah, the, the film uh... producers one only has two characters. <laughs> should, we, should we do that one? We can do. Yeah, all right. <laughs> let, let's do that. Well, there's well, there's two of us here. We should break some of these out when Tom's here as well. Um, yeah. The drug dealer who doesn't sell weed. That was one. Yeah. So this is a sketch called "Thank You for Listening." By the way, to our premium content where we just talk <laughs> about random shit and then start doing <laughs> sketches, and there's only two of us. This one's yeah. called "The British Film Producers." <laughs> so it begins exterior. Grotty Mabel's pie shop. <laughs> Interior, back of the shop. A sign is crudely hung up, reading Great British Films, LLC. Inside the smoke-filled back room, a couple of intimidating East End gangsters are smoking cigarettes and drinking both a cup of tea and a pint. Their desks face one another. A framed portrait of Elizabeth II hangs on the wall. Oi, Oi cunt! Oh, wait, which one of us? <laughs> Doesn't matter, I don't mind. Who gives a fuck? Yo. Oi, cunt! You fucking what? I just had me a gander at this year's box office returns, and something's sodding it up right bad. Alright, alright, don't get your bollocks in a twist. What's the problem? We're getting absolutely cunted by the French in the sexy thrillers. <laughs> Producer 2 springs up and waves a knife about. You fucking what? They're making me look a right cunt. All right, all right. Don't get your knackers in a knot. We'll get on it. He picks up the phone and dials for number, smacking his fingers against the keys with a vengeance. Get me Donny Dyer. Producer 2 flexes his blade as number 1 listens to the response. You what? Danny Dyer's career is actually doing well because of EastEnders and he won't just take whatever sleazy, low-budget British piece of shit film is offered to him. But I thought that was his thing. What about Ray? Nah, he's doing the grind on Corey. All right, all right, someone even harder. Kathy Burke? Nah, next time she sees me, I'm fucking toast. Fuck me, this is proper getting me testes in a tether. Fade to black. Caption. Later on. Fuck off, you cunt! He slams the phone down. What did he say? Well, the Stafe's off doing his road safety campaign for the kids. Stay safe. 
but apparently Stephen Fry's available. Stephen Fry? But it's been years since he made a sexy thriller for us. He dials another number on his phone. All right, so I heard. Fucking hell, Stephen. No need to use that kind of language. You do what to me, family? You ain't back on that gear, are you? How many strippers? Mate, fucking hell. How do you get my home address? But the security system was supposed to... No, Stephen, put down the gun. Bang, the phone drops. He says he's good to start filming on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) And and we we were going to think of a new scenario with these characters, but (laughs) we didn't think of anything apart from we were going to make the thriller called Full Knockers and a Bottle of Lovely Jubbly. (laughs) That's, that's That's all we've got. I do um, like that ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He says it's good to start filming on Tuesday. <laughs> it's a proper punchline. Like you know, good job I didn't tell them about the dirty knife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll just quickly say I've uh, started reading a really good book, and I want to get its author on the podcast. So I'm gonna shout it out and praise it now <laughs> to try, you know, try and like, get up his ass a little yeah, bit. In early. Like, yep. <laughs> Yeah, so The Ministry of Nostalgia is a book by the British left-wing writer Owen Hathaway that came out last year. And on the front cover, he has a variety of phrases that he sees as indicative of this kind of austerity nostalgia that has arisen over the last... well, in the our present era of austerity, essentially. Since around 2009, when it really became clear that the recession was a full-on recession, not not just a euphemistic blip that we could refer to as a, a credit crunch. So 2009 was when Gordon Brown began enacting his more stringent austerity measures, and of course this economic approach was... It really helped Labour win the election, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But of course it's worth saying, you know, the cuts that happened under Gordon Brown were nothing compared to (laughs) what happened next. But yeah, basically, Hathaway's thesis begins in that era, the initial recession era, but before the Tories came to power. And he talks about how there are strains of austerity nostalgia on both the left and the right. So the phrases on the cover of the book are, and I'll read them all, make tea, not war, save our NHS, down with this sort of thing, keep calm and carry on, stop worrying and enjoy your life, Work hard and be nice to people. Make do and mend. Read some fucking Orwell. Shout out to Simon Hedges. <laughs> Live within our means. Support our boys. Make Britain great again. Take back control and send them back. So he's re- he's captured a kind of whole spectrum of nostalgia there. But the, the different types of nostalgia, although, of course, they cross over, it's worth saying I'm only 76 pages into the book so I'm probably mangling Hathaway's central thesis a little bit but he talks about how on the left our austerity nostalgia involves harking back to the post-war period Mm. when the welfare state was founded which is seen as the halcyon years of social democracy 
and so and that was seen as a time yes it was a time of hardship there were a lot of rations imposed on people billy brags between the wars yeah yeah exactly and there is a tendency to kind of romanticize that yeah on, the, yeah, on yeah. the british left and particularly relevant to our show happily cites two cinematic examples of that which are ken loach's film the spirit of 45 and you, you can i'm sure you can already see where he's going mm-hmm. with that and the tony ben documentary tony ben will and testament which is very kind of lightweight when it comes to Ben's politics and doesn't really go into his political struggles in the 80s in the Labour Party, which were, you know, the real kind of apex of his career because he almost, had he wrestled the deputy leadership from Dennis Healy, he could well have become the next leader of the Labour Party in the early 80s. So these were decisive battles and the documentary just kind of skips over them. It just sort of sets up this kind of egalitarian post-war milieu that Ben slotted perfectly in and then, you know, Thatcher! (laughs) And the spirit of 45 is like that as well, where one minute all the reforms are happening and then it's just like, and then... 1979 it's like fucking hell it was like 1945 like two minutes ago like what? <laughs> and of course the nostalgia of the right is altogether different and that's manifested by i mean partially sort of patriotic pap like keep calm and carry on which Halfley sees mm. as particularly emblematic of this kind of pull your socks up and be british and have a stiff upper lip and all this shit do you know the origins of that phrase by the way it was for posters propaganda wasn't it but they weren't actually widely distributed more specifically i at least what i've heard is that they were posters that were printed for the express purpose of putting up in the case that the germans successfully invaded yeah yeah that that is that is true but yeah, there were various other posters that were printed up at the same time as mm. Keep a Calm and Carry On that were used quite widely, and that one just kind of fell to the wayside. But yeah, the nostalgia of the right, partially, I mean, I'd say that's kind of David Cameron nostalgia, very kind of clean for the queen, you know, mm. very big society. It's kind of like, oh, Britain, it's all nice and everything's good, and you can kind of see that manifested in cultural items like downtown abbey as i like to (laughs) condescendingly say it but of course the right-wing british nostalgia is manifested in phrases like support our boys make britain great again Mm -hmm. take back control and send them back does the make britain great again thing predate maga um I'm, see, I'm I'm not sure. So I've not heard that so much, but I mean, yeah, I've I have heard the sentiment loads. It's definitely used because you you've yeah. got to think like nationalist terms are fairly generic. So yeah. Trump, when he was saying America first, even if his speech was written yeah. by Steve Bannon, it probably wasn't explicitly a tribute to past American fascist movements. It was more just that there's been a convergence of perspective. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Charles so... Lindbergh wasn't he one of the America firsters in the first wave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lindbergh was aviator. <laughs> yeah, Lindbergh was real, a uh, real piece of work. And Philip Roth has got that novel, The Plot Against America, where mm. Lindbergh def- 
defeats FDR in, in an election, and then gradually Lindbergh just starts implementing more and more anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, I need to read that. Yeah, so the book would would have come out while Trump was on the scene, because it's a 2016 book. It's not a phrase you've heard as much, but I think... As you say, it's not exactly a revolutionary concept, is it? It's no. pretty generic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, read some fucking Orwell, you certainly, <laughs> you certainly hear that around about the place. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I wanted to shout out that book by Owen Halfley because I'm really enjoying it a lot. And Owen, if you're listening, please come on the show and talk about it. <laughs> I would really like that. It's been it's been great to do a proper episode with Yair and just talk talk about some stuff. Back and forth. Yeah, it was good. It was good, man. Exactly. Uh, I'm like... sure you got plenty of material to work with now. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so from Jack and Yair on the Real Politic Podcast, goodbye, comrades. Peace, guys and gals. Good tidings and stuff. Woo, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. And Kwanzaa, let's not forget that. And Scientologist. And Diwali. (laughs) Man, we've got to include everyone. And did we mention the February Revolution at all? Oh, we didn't mention that at all, I don't think. Which actually happened on the 7th of March, so 100 years since the Tsars were crushed. Yes. Fantastic. We may try and do an episode for that. If not, we'll definitely do one in October for the October Revolution. And even if we don't get around to doing it, the Kraken Podcast Boys will be doing an episode for the February Revolution. We will get our fucking October one done before they even think about it. (laughs) Dibs, guys, dibs. Yeah, we'll record it in, like, you know, tomorrow. (laughs) 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 Just to make sure we're in there. Okay. All right. right. Um, from Jack and Yair at the Real Politic podcast, and from our comrades in the Real Politic family, Tom and Kieran. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'm getting last word in. It's tech. It's exciting. It's young people. It's crowdsourcing. consumerist dripping with gold shoes, horrible staggering inequality of just corpulent filthy lucre but then comrades come rally. Sorry. What was that? That's the Internationale.